You are about to listen to a message from Dan Moeller, a personal friend and family member of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. Dan has an intense passion to see the body of Christ walk in their identity, know the love that God has for them, and then properly show that love to everyone that they encounter. So prepare yourself to be inspired and motivated to be more like Jesus and to love like he loves to everyone that you encounter. Praise God. Well, I'll tell you what, when we were all jumping around and shouting, and it is fun, it wasn't, it was fun. It is an expression of what's happened. And here's what came to my heart. There was a bunch of shepherds hanging out in the field on one dark night, and this angel came and just lit up the field. And he said, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And it'll be to all people. And what you have to understand is when he said that, the good tidings is where you find the great joy. It absolutely has nothing to do with your circumstances or how life's going right now. The good tidings is the great joy. That while you were living apart from him, he paid a price to join you to him. Why? You were living in ignorance and a lack of understanding of who you were. He never lost sight of what he made you to be. There's something about the good tidings that is great joy. Good tidings of great joy. Some of us are looking for a spirit of joy, a touch of joy, an impartation of joy. Joy comes when you understand the truth and the truth makes you free. Come on, this thing is just so simple. And all of a sudden, life, life, life has no ability to speak louder than truth. And all of a sudden, he who is free isn't just free, but free indeed. It's just so good to me. So the good tidings is great joy, and I won't apologize tonight, okay? And it's just a reason to rejoice. The Bible says joy unspeakable. Not being condemning, not being critical. Been a pastor for a long time, been a Christian for 20 years, 21 in June. When I look at the countenance of us, of God's people and my family in the Lord, I, I wonder sometimes if we all understand the good tidings. Because we let things matter more that don't matter most. And we're trying to live for the day instead of the day. God is not just here. This is not a survival program. This is not just keep me till the end. This is Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm not praying to make it. I already have. Like, I've already won. Do you get it? I've won. We've already won. Like, I can't lose. I'm alive forever. I'm never going to die. Come on, guys. We've got to look past just now and look to that that we're heading towards. And I don't know. I'm just, oh, my. I'm going to go here because I'm here right now. Yeah. Really. Yeah, okay. You gonna go there? No, I'm going there. It's too late. I got to. It's there. I was just saying, really? <laughs> sometimes he shocks me. We've got to understand, guys, I'm concerned sometimes. I'm not being negative. We've preached a gospel that caters to us, not transforms us. And sometimes there's a greater awareness and a greater expression of self-centeredness after we're a Christian than before, but we're to deny ourselves to pick up our cross and follow him. 
We're not Christians for us, for our sake or for our gain or our provision. We're Christians for his image and his nature and his purpose and his power. We're Christians to be like him. Mercy woke you up today. Give you one more day to look like your father. He didn't wake you up to survive. He didn't wake you up just to have a better day. It's not just about getting a better job. It's not about your boss treating you better. It's about you becoming more like him. It's about you understanding and realizing, come hell or high water, we've won. We're going to fight every battle from that perspective, but we've won this war. We were lost, but now we're found. We will never stand before God if we live with a sincere, repentant heart and answer for the things we failed, and we will answer for what he's accomplished. We will be judged in righteousness, not weakness. We will stand before him and receive the testimony of the finished work of Christ. We've already won. So when I paused and was I hesitated and I went, really? This is what I, I was hearing in my heart. We have to understand that we're in a demon war against the kingdom of God and you've been sanctified and set apart and get to fight on behalf of the king. And the Bible says in a militant way that no one enlisted in war ever again entangles himself with the affairs of this life. And I want to be sure that none of us get trapped in a gospel that's preached that makes it all about you just having a better life instead of a transformed one. Come on, there's a weakness in that. There's a self-centeredness that. And all of a sudden, the rent's paid and we're shouting loud. And now we don't know where the money's coming from and we have a sad countenance. And all of a sudden, we have issues with God and more questions than answers. Why? Because we haven't pursued a covenant through love. We have a business deal and it ain't working. Look, I'm not here to be mean and I'm not correcting anyone. I'm saying, man, that's not one of us in this room make a mistake like that because it costs us time we don't have to give. You redeem the times, the days are evil. You arise from sleep and Christ will give you light. Awake unto righteousness. Yeah? Come on, guys. I didn't get up and intend to be this passionate. It's just in me that way. I can't apologize for it. I would, I would violate my conscience if I tried to push it down. We're in a demon war against the kingdom of God. And if you take it personal, you'll make a big mistake. If you take trials, circumstances, and your go-throughs personal, you're going to miss the whole point. It's a demon war against the kingdom of God. And you go preach saying, the kingdom of God. Are you guys with me? I've been talking about this a lot when I travel and it just feels right to me and it's very challenging and convicting. Don't you be judged by it, condemned by it, be inspired by it. I'm not being arrogant when I say this. I've seen more people healed than I can remember. I've seen more people just healed on airplanes probably than I can remember. I've seen people healed in airport terminals. In dramatic ways. I don't talk about it a lot because everybody floods you for prayer. And we miss that we're the body of Christ. I go in secret. I don't even post my calendar because people used to follow me and show up at the churches for me to pray for them everywhere I went. And it was just getting tough and weird. It was like, ah. And people say, well, they pursued Jesus like that. Yeah, because he was the only one. We're the body of Christ. I'm 
mean, I'm walking through Charlotte and this man gets healed and makes a scene. And it wasn't my fault. It was just Jesus loves him. And he made a scene. And then I get to the gate and he heals a guy in front of 80 people, 37 years of a broken back and a messed up thing. And he fixed him right in the court of the airport. And it's just fun. It's just fun. But if I'm caught up with flights and delays and times and schedules and what seat I have and the middle seat and why is my flight delayed and oh God, what did I do to deserve all this inconvenience? Do you mean I ain't making it home tonight? Bummer. If I got all that working in me, I don't even see those people. And all of a sudden I'm a Christian for me and all my prayers and all my faith is wrapped around my convenience instead of his love flowing through me to reach people. I've seen more people healed than I could remember. I've watched blind eyes open in my life. I've been a very fortunate man. I've watched people come out of coma, speak their name, and they wake up. I've seen it in my life. When I met my buddy Todd, he was so humble. He came over to my house, and he used to come to healing services. He's so funny. He's like, dude, this is real. And I'm like, yeah, it's real. Like he comes to the healing service and this guy's dying from leukemia and they come back the next week and read the doctor's email of his new test and he's confounded and can't find any tumor matter in the bone or tumor tissue in the bone matter or whatever marrow and, and Todd's reading he's he's up there reading, shaking, crying. They're not believers. They just came to a healing service because he's dying. Jesus isn't offended by that. And you don't have to get him in faith. Give him Jesus. Just go after it. Don't write a doctrine if you don't see anything happening. The book's already written. Let's grow into the book, not make a new one. Don't think because you prayed there's always faith. There's, sometimes we pray because there's need. Some of us are still getting over issues and anger and frustration, and we think we're going to move every mountain. Let's just get a grip and grow and stay humble. And let's follow Jesus. He's clear doctrine. He's the will of God revealed. Let's just follow Jesus, guys. I still think every time we prayed, it's faith. Sometimes pray. See, my own mother, what I'm getting at is I've seen more people healed than I can remember. And at age 68, my mother died of MS. And she was on more tubes. She was peeing, messing in a bag and a diaper my whole life practically. And eating in a tube. And for 15 years, couldn't even walk. My mother. Now, don't tell me I don't understand. And don't think I'm popping off when I talk with passion. In fact, when you've seen people healed, if you don't have a clear relationship with Jesus, that makes it even harder. Because I've seen other mothers restored. And if you take this thing personal, and you get all caught up in analytical human thinking, it'll damage your heart and you'll mess up bad and be sure you're right. I've met people that go to church and they're mad and offended at God. I'm not being mean. It's ludicrous. It's utter deception. He's the potter. You're the clay. It's a sure sign of pride in the fall. I don't care how justified your language, your mind, your facts, your issues are. You're missing something. People say, well, if God's so good, then why'd your mother die? Well, if God wasn't good, why'd he send Jesus when you were a mess? Maybe we ask the wrong questions. Maybe we ask self-centered questions. Maybe we have a lot of rights that we earned through the fall and we're supposed to give them up in the new life. 
here's my question to all of us. Why do we have so many rights when we've denied ourselves that I never understood? Well, I feel, well, I think, well, let me tell you what I think. Well, how come? Well, what? <laughs> I think yes, Lord works better. <laughs> that's probably a truer expression. Look, my mama died. Guys, that's my mama. Mamas and sons are usually, that's the pretty close one. Dads and sons aren't always that way, but usually when it's rubber meets the mamas and sons, got something going on. I watched my mother sick for 40 years. Of course I prayed. There was a time I saw her left side coming alive. There was a time she believed she couldn't be healed and wasn't ready, and there was a time I didn't have the revelation I have now, so I believed that. So for a long time, I didn't even pray because I thought she couldn't be healed. It was just crazy stuff, and it just made sense at the time. Jesus grew me and taught me, and then I'd go back and have things in your face so long that sometimes what you see, and it's just above where you are. It's just so close to home. Are you following me? Here's why I'm telling you this. For one thing, for one thing, when you look at me and you hear me preach the gospel, when you see my passion, you don't know, you can't see that my mother died at 68 from disease of 40 years. Because if you think about that, you just go, oh, because you feel like our life was robbed. But that thing doesn't change a thing about the gospel. You pray for the sick the same. Why? Because Jesus' life is what I'm following. Not my experience and circumstance. I don't need to write some book or come up with some analogy to explain it. The fact is we're still growing in him. We're working out our salvation. We honor him above everything. And we're not changing God through everything we go through. He is settled through the Christ. Now that's humility. Like it or not, that's humility. If you're struggling with what I'm saying, it's because your mind has become bigger. I'm not being mean. See, I can talk plain because I can tell you some other stories. You see passion in me? You know where it comes from? Fire and trials and battles. And all of a sudden, I don't have to read Shadrach's story. He is Lord of every fire. (laughs) That's why there's passion in me. Your wife might not have been laying in a coma with brain damage, but mine was. See, sometimes you can just speak like I speak. (laughs) And I have fun doing it. (laughs) Because I know when she's laying there, nothing changes about God. Nothing changes about my relationship with him. And and watch this. You say, you can't say that. Yes, I can. I've gone too far in this thing. I can say it. Even if she dies... I already know we won, but the goal isn't letting her die. Let's go for life through Jesus Christ. The most I can lose is temporal contact with you. The most I can lose is the moment of hugging you and seeing you and talking to you. But I promise you we've won forever, and I'm never losing sight of that. Come on, guys. But this is the point I'm getting at, and I don't want you condemned by it. I have no memory, no recollection, and it's not because I'm forgetting or in denial. You hold on tight, and don't you get condemned by this. You be challenged by it, and know it's possible. I have not one memory of my mother complaining about her disease. 
in 40 years. Not one. Don't tell me it's not possible. We complain if the car's not running right. We complain if we have no charger for the cell phone, because how will I lift? <laughs> Come on. We complain if we wake up with a headache and say, oh, not today. I have a busy schedule. We don't reach up and receive the love of God and pray and bless others. We go, no. Oh, you got to be kidding me. I'm not saying you. When I say we, in general, we've lived this way, guys. Paul said, don't you complain like they complained in the wilderness and you'll be devoured like they were by the devourer. You'll be destroyed by the one that destroys. And then we complain and more comes. And then we say, why is God letting all these things? He's not your position for it. When you complain, you reveal it's all about you. And you misunderstand the bigger picture. For the joy set before him, he passed through the shame of the moment and came out with the biggest, highest crown. Name above every name. (laughs) Therefore, God has highly exalted him. (laughs) Come on! (sighs) I pastored long enough and saw too many of us, not because we're evil, not because we're hypocrites, Because we don't understand and we get caught up in the feelings and emotions. And somehow we come into this thinking God is just here to give us a better life and make glassy seas and smoother days. And and I don't know who taught you that, but I'm sorry they did because it's not about that. It's about you living in a faith and a perspective that takes you to the end triumphantly. To where you never draw back, never look back, never go back. You're not Lot's wife, you're his wife. Look up and run well. Come on. I've held a couple friends and I've lost them. I've seen many people healed. Sometimes it gets so close to home. God told me one day on the bed laying, he said, I'm talking about one of my friends and I watched him die and I prayed and I went over there all the time and prayed and prayed and it just sounded so good. He said, Dan, all your prayers were coming from desperation because you've lost a couple from cancer and as much as what I'm doing is building in your life, what hasn't happened still has a voice and you were afraid he was dying. You were seeing him die. You were seeing him change and you were praying from the fear of losing him and that's why it was so aggressive and passionate. You were on the run. You were intimidated by the disease and you came across all the stronger and louder. Had nothing to do with faith. A thousand people in the church can fast and pray and they die and we all get confused and rewrite the book and say, well, God couldn't heal because somebody had to have a mustard seed. That's what people say. But my Bible still says if you have faith, you, one, not a thousand, if you have faith, you'll say to the mountain, move, and it's moving. So faith isn't evidenced by speaking to the mountain. It's evidenced by the mountain moving. So here's what happens. We all pray. A thousand of us fast and pray. Why? Because cancer's hurt everyone in the room. And all of a sudden, somebody that, it's just the sweetest person in the church. It's, we can't even believe they got cancer. And we're like, not her. No way. Oh, my goodness. She's like the picture of just precious glory of God. And, 
And now we're all praying because we don't want her to die. We're afraid. It's not about the promise of life. It's not about longevity. It's not about the will of God fulfilled. It's just about our sentiment and we love her and we don't want her to die. And we call that compassion. I've just been in this thing and I hope you can hear me. I've won some and I've lost some and I haven't changed my mind. Cynical people never had one made up. Unbelief is the weakest position on the planet. The Bible calls it evil and enmity. And it says, let there be no evil, unbelieving heart among you. There is no explanation good enough for unbelief. And there is none necessary for faith. We live by faith. Now watch this. My mother's life, it looked like it was robbed. I believe she could have been healed. I believe there's a way to touch her. And I don't care what denomination you walk into. You could ask them. If Jesus walked in the room and touched my mother, what would have happened? And across the board, without thinking, every circle on the planet that says they're a Christian would say she'd be healed. Because we know by his life that if he walks in the room and touches her, it's done. And he's in us. And we represent him. And the things he does, we'll do if we believe. His disciples prayed for an epileptic boy, and he wasn't cured. And Jesus didn't say, well, it wasn't time for you boys to pray. You stepped out of turn. You should have waited for me. (laughs) He said, you faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring the boy to me. What's he saying? Perverse generation, twisted, corrupted-minded, twisted-thinking people. Your minds get in the way. You look with your eyes. You think with your mind, and you forget to see who you are now that I'm here. It's a visual. It's a seizure. It gets in your eye gate. It gets in your head. You pray for a paralyzed limb and you prayed your best 20-second prayer of kingdom and it sits there and looks back at you still paralyzed and your mind goes on tilt. Now where do I go? What do I do? If you're not careful, your next prayer is in works. Your third prayer is in desperation. Come on, I'm just being real. If anybody's ever prayed for the sick, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So stay humble with me tonight. If you're getting mad at me, now you know why I'm in the position of preaching what I'm preaching. It's not my fault. I I don't even want to go here tonight. I wanted to preach something really exciting about righteousness. I really did. But here I am. Oh, I'm not questioning it. Thank you. You're not getting the mic, man, tonight. I'm kidding kidding you. If you want it, I'll give it to you. If, If I'm messing up, you take it. Listen. I'm honored to be here. I don't need to be here. I I wanted to be. Do you know why I flew to Corpus Christi? Because I wanted to. I didn't tell him I need money and I got to pay bills next month. Man, I'm glad to book this trip. I hope he can take a bunch of offerings. I said, I'm not even thinking of that. And I don't even really just put a basket in the back, man. I'm not here because I need to be. I could have stayed home. I'm here because I want to be. I'm here because I believed you'd be here. And I was right. <laughs> Serious. I don't, see, we're not used to no string attached stuff. We're not used. Ministries become a business. There's contracts with speakers. There's upfront money talked about. There's special requests. I can't even fathom Jesus doing that. Lay down your life and love. So if I really believe what I'm preaching, it's easy to come down here 
and cried out to you. So somebody hears and believes and becomes, wow. Because here's the raw truth. I'm going to get on a plane tomorrow and fly home and life's going to stay amazing in him. And there ain't nothing nobody can do about it. You can hate me. You can be mad at me. You can disagree with me. It won't keep me from hearing his voice and knowing his presence and walking in love. And you can get hurt and angry and mad and all the things we've always been. And in the end, I'm going to stand before him and be glad I believed. And if you stay that way, you'll go, oops. <laughs> well, how do you know? I just know. <laughs> That's good enough, ain't it, Sam? <laughs> Here's the deal. So it looked like my, my mom's life is robbed. And when she died, I didn't cry. I had mixed emotions. I think on one hand, I was almost glad because I'm a believer and I just know she's okay. And she just wasn't suffering anymore and people didn't have to care for her. I saw nurses scold her and tell her to vent now and then it would be healthy. You need to let it out, Kay. Because she's the sweetest thing you ever met. I promise you. She'd have melted your heart. You couldn't not love her. I don't care if you're not a loving person. You'd have loved her. Because you'd have felt bad for her. For her condition. And then when you looked in her eyes. And saw her face. And she'd have smiled at you. She'd have won your heart. Just by that. I promise. You couldn't not love my mom. You'd walk in a room. And she's laying there. Captivated by the disease. And stuck in the bed. With tubes hanging out. And she'd just look with a sweet smile. And she'd see you. And she'd say hi. I'd say, hey, mama, and I'd come in and kiss her on the cheek. How are you? She'd say, well, I'm fine. Because she was, because of what she believed. Now, she'd quote healing. She believed in healing and bias stripes. I get that. She, she was that. But, but I'll tell you what, she saw something bigger than MS. And it taught me a lot, and I didn't realize it. It took me a while to really see it. And I didn't really think about it and talk about it until after she passed. And I went, whoa, because here's what got me. Because it looks like we're losing. You're losing when you don't live by faith. You're losing when you let what you're going through define who you are and be the product of your life. That's when you're losing. When all you have to give is what you feel and what you're going through. But if what he accomplished and who he is becomes your reality in the face of these things, then that's what you give. And that was my mama Beyond what I can explain, you'd have had to know her to understand the power of what I'm telling you. But this will help you. When I went, I did my mom's graveside. It was an honor. I blew a trumpet. Oh, man, I preached. Everybody was bawling. I liked it. <laughs> I never cried when my mom died. Two weeks after she passed, I looked at my clock and I went, oh, wow, I got time to squeeze in and see mom quick. And I turned on her road and I went, oh, my goodness, she passed. It hit me two weeks after I'm going to see my mom and realized, oh, this, this didn't even seem real yet. I'm like, she's there, but she's not. Come on, man. If, if, if you're not thinking clear, you're crying, you're depressed, you're grieving unduly, and all of a sudden, why God and how God? Now you have more questions than you have answers. And all of a sudden, you're coveting life instead of the giver of it. 
And all of a sudden you're misunderstanding the gift of life at the cost of the giver of life. All of a sudden you have children and they're a gift. And now you have children at the expense of who he is instead of in light of who he is. And then God forbid if something tragic happens, you and God have a fallout for the rest of your life. And you don't understand that if it wasn't for him, you'd have no life. And the truth is, I didn't lose a mother and we didn't lose a child. Because of the blood of Jesus, they're alive forever. And we better believe that and get past right now emotions. And we better understand that we won through the blood, that we have the victory. And everything we sing about is true. Because when he's up here saying, he'll never fail you. He'll never fail you. He'll never fail you. And everybody's, God is good. He'll never fail you. And you have one of these stories in your background and don't understand. You're sitting there getting mad thinking, well, he failed me. He didn't fail you. While you were yet a sinner, he sent his son. And when you deserve nothing, he gave you his life. And even after some of us knew the truth and didn't live the truth, he did not change his mind. Yeah! Yeah! Man! See, I got to tell you some of these stories so you don't say, well, he's just popping off. He just put on his preaching jacket. I don't know what that is. I don't dress and undress before the Lord. He clothed me. I don't put on my armor and take it off. I don't visit the throne room. I live there. So when you get the phone call, your wife's in a coma and they think she's going to die, you don't even know how to go, oh my God. You just tell the doctor, listen, man, it's okay. Do whatever you want, whatever you can. You have my permission. Now's not the time. For me to get a medical education, buddy. That's why you went to school. So don't talk in tongues to me. It's not. It's just. I don't need. You don't have to tell me nothing. That's just. Son standing right there listening. I said you just help her if you can. But I'll be in in a minute and do what I've been equipped for. And he said what is that? I said I'm going to pray the kingdom of God over her. And he's going to get her up. He said, well, I appreciate your heart in that, but I'm a doctor and have to face the reality of this situation, and it's very intense, Dan, and it's real, and we think she could die. I said, sir, you didn't hear anything I said, but it's not your fault. You've seen too many zealous people come in and shout scriptures from places of fear, discouragement, despair, frustration. You've heard it all. You've seen it all and watched almost all of them die. But you're not talking to that right now. I'll see you in a little. That was what I said. And my wife woke up from the coma and they took her off all the stuff and ran the new EEG and didn't even show residuals or effects of anything. He held me and cried and said, we didn't do that. I said, I know, but I honor you. Thanks for helping my wife. He said, we didn't do that. I said, you're missing it. You innovated. You were there for her. You helped her. Thanks for fighting this thing fight. Just a different angle. Appreciate you. And I didn't reach out for him. He shook his head and reached out for me. And a pastor told me a long time ago, when somebody hugs you and needs a hug, don't let go until you feel them let go. And he grabbed me and embraced me and tears were pouring down his face and he just held me. Because he cares about people. And in his medical mind, he knew in his heart that was the Lord. 
And I just held him and he sobbed on me and wept. And then I went in to see my wife. And she said, hi. <laughs> Hospital gown, hair flat and smashed, fresh out of a coma. And I looked at her and she's alive and I just cried and I said, you have never been more beautiful. There's life inside of you. She said, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Back to my mama, I went to the graveside and I pulled into the, the cemetery. And that's when I cried. Mr. Sam, I pulled up there. And the cars were two by two the whole way to the top and around and down. And I went, what? For my mom, who didn't leave the house for 15 years. Who had a few longtime friends, very few, fell out of contact with most. Because when somebody's in a situation that overwhelming, people don't know what to do. And they end up slowly staying away. They get overwhelmed. It doesn't mean they don't love. They're overwhelmed. They're outmatched. They don't know. So they send the regards and a Christmas card, but they're not really in touch. You get it? But I pull up to the cemetery, and there's, park, there's no parking like It's like, and I just started to cry. I didn't even know what was going on. It just touched me. I looked at my wife. I said, they're all here for mom. And I just began to cry. There was some old friends. There were some faces that surprised me that I was glad to see. And there was family, of course. We're not a very big family back home. There was a handful of family. But guess who a lot of the cars were? Doctors and nurses, they don't go to their patient's funeral. Guys, they die every day. Maybe somebody gets close to somebody, a nurse gets really close and goes to the funeral. But you don't have nursing staffs and doctors at funerals. But they were at my mama's. You know why? Because her life spoke way louder than her disease. And they had never met anyone like my mama. And they could not love her. Three nursing staffs. Three separate doctors. One, the director of the city hospital. The director of doctors. He does not have the schedule to be standing there. But he is. What a testimony of the gospel. What a testimony of not complaining. See, people would... It wouldn't even be a stumbling block of she to complain. They would expect her to. But when she didn't, they were astounded. Because the gospel is different. It's a light. It stands out. It's something new. See, the gospel isn't the way we've been. The gospel's the way we've become. And I looked and I said, I got the mic at her funeral. I'm blowing a trumpet, baby. And I looked out. I said, I want to thank you on behalf of the family and, and, and that you're here. And I want you to know that I'm not here as a pastor. I'm here as a son. Bearing witness of a mother. Bringing her honor and remembering her together. And I said, and I can't help but to look and notice the assembly. I got shocked and it brought me to tears when I saw the cars. And I couldn't imagine how this many people were at mama's funeral because of her condition and all the years and the drifting way of friends and the over. And I get up here and I, I see the faces and I see you. God bless you. Bless you, doctor. Doctor. 
bless you, doctor. And I pointed them all out. I said, but I know why you're all here. And I smiled and I said, because you thought she is once in a lifetime. You will never meet another patient like her again. One in a million. And you had to come and honor her because you never met anyone like her because you could not love her. She never complained. And in the first two sentences, the ladies, you ladies are amazing. They're all. (laughs) It was ugly. The doctors, all three. (laughs) Doctors lost it. Yeah. And I said, and let me tell you why. I said, friends, family, this is all the people that cared for mama over the years that got to meet her hospital, all the stuff, the places she's been. And I said, they're here to honor her because she never complained. She was so sweet. Some of them felt like she should vent now and then, et cetera. And the girls, I said, but let me tell you why she was the way she I talked about her little devotions, and they saw, and this and that, but it's deeper, guys, and she took to the heart that she already won, that Jesus in her was bigger than the mess. Even if she couldn't walk, she could shine. Even if she couldn't walk, she could be like him. That doesn't mean I don't believe in healing. That doesn't mean I'm saying, well, God didn't want to heal her, so he can win a bunch of people at the hospital. I don't even believe that. I believe there's a place for one of us to grow and follow Jesus and touch her and break that thing. That's what the Bible teaches. Don't let life's experience speak louder than the word because he's magnified the word above his own name. Come on, stop trying to figure God out through life. He's already settled through his son. He said, when you see me, you've seen him. If you can't find your theology in the life of Jesus, throw it away. In a new testament, in a new covenant through his blood. Don't try to find God through the old testament. Look to Jesus and his finished work. Come on. So uh, that's amazing, isn't it? 40 years of sickness and never, oh, this stupid disease. I'm just so tired of this blanking disease. Well, what do you expect? How do I have a good day if this thing is just, how would you like to be stuck in your bed all your life? <laughs> she never even came close to that. And I honor it so much because it taught me that it's possible to live and not complain. You know what Philippians 2 says? That you're to work out Your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you both to will and do for his good pleasure. Therefore, do all things without grumbling, without complaining. So you shine as an innocent, harmless light in the midst of a twisted, perverted world, shining as a light, holding forth the word of life. Do how many things without complaining? Wow. When you complain, it's a dead giveaway. That it's still about you and you make yourself a target. And it hinders your testimony and your ability to shine and impact others. Because it's you being different that gets their attention when you complain, they expect it. They don't even say, wow, you're a hypocrite. You go to church and you just stand there complaining. No, they expect you to complain. And when you don't, they wonder why. Why? 
I had a supervisor call my house one time, trembling. He was talking broken and mealy-mouthed. He just was, he was, he, I was just like, man, why'd you call my house? It's okay, man. And he's like, uh, well, uh. And I said, just talk to me. He said, well, I don't know how you live the way you do. And I know you're going to tell me it's Jesus, but I don't understand. And I know what they're doing to you at work. And if I was in your shoes, I'd have knocked somebody out by now. And you never change. How is that possible? I said, you got a minute? <laughs> Better yet, true story, he drove to my house and sat on my porch and cried. And got born again. Uh. And you put him under the water and when every bubble stopped, Bring them up. Because <laughs> then you got them. They finally died. And now they can finally live. <laughs> and they didn't receive Jesus in their heart. They died. <laughs> so they can finally live, Frank. The Bible says if you've been raised with Christ, it's a Greek word since, if doesn't even mean if you're really saved, prove it. Since you've been raised with Christ, Colossians 3, seek those things which are above, not those things below. Set your mind on things above, for you died. See, you didn't pray a prayer to go to heaven, you died, we ought to teach that. When you pray a prayer to go to heaven, it's just beneficiary, and you still have rights, and you can still be angry at your boss, and you can still be mad at your spouse. But your sins are forgiven, and your name's in the book. Hallelujah. But nobody's touched and impressed with Jesus in your life. Don't you ever preach the gospel that self-serving, because it won't produce the fruit of his kingdom. I know you're not used to maybe somebody talking like that, but it's the flat-out truth. It's all through Scripture. He said, if you fail to love less, your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your houses, and your land, and yes, even your own life, you'll by no means be my disciple. Still go to church. You can still pastor. You can still lead worship. You can still teach the children, but you'll never be a wholehearted follower and a disciplined learner that turns the world upside down like I've anointed you. You can still do church, but you probably won't look like me, is what he's saying. In fact, he's not saying probably you won't. He said there'll be by, you'll be by no means my disciple. Why? Because you've let one of those things on that list matter more. You'll miss what matters most. And all of a sudden, you can't preach like I'm preaching because my mom died. And you can't preach like I'm preaching because my friend died after the teenager and another friend. Wow, Dan. I could tell you about all the healings and miracles, but how do we handle losses? How do we handle the things we can't understand? Are we humble enough to just submit it to the beauty and glory and integrity of who he is and trust that one day we'll understand and just keep on running well? Or do we get analytical and come up with wrong things? Do we come up with spiritual analogies at the cost of truth, which makes us free? Well, you know, God sometimes doesn't, you know, he just sometimes maybe stop all that. We're only trying to make ourselves feel better about what we're troubled over. The truth's in Jesus. 
not the outcome of your circumstance. You guys all right? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. I'm talking pretty straight. You guys okay? Yeah. <laughs> Man, it came on me. It just, I tried to fight it off a little. Not really. I just said, really? He said, yeah. <laughs> so you don't understand how it is with me. You notice how I, I just can talk. Bang. You see how it just comes? It's not my fault. It's just there. It just comes. I can't help it. It's like you say, man, you just, you, you can't try to, you can't ask me, how do you preach? It's grace. It's a gift. It's, I've filled my heart with his word. I've been with him. But he is funneling me and channeling me with stuff when I stand in front of people. It just comes. I don't even have to think. It's just there. And it's, it's just amazing how it happens. It's, it's just there. I'm serious. And you learn, the more you walk with him and minister, you get confident that he's speaking. And, and you're like, God, you're doing something. And, and you believe it's actually hitting the room. And there's people in the room that are going, challenging, but man, this is timely. Or, wow, I need this. Or, wow, this is pulling me out of a long season of lies. And next thing you know, you get all these testimonies about, if you were talking to one person, you were talking to me. And 20 people tell you that. And you're talking about something you're almost uncomfortable talking about in a way that you're confident, but your mind's going, ah, you have no idea because I have no need to correct you. I have a great desire to cheer you on. I didn't come here to tell you what you're not. I came here to tell you who you are. I didn't come here so you leave the church and say, boy, I've got a long way to go. <laughs> it's so you leave the church excited and say, man, I've got direction, wisdom, and a path in front of me. I'm heading somewhere. Come on. Yahoo. So I realized that a life of no complaining affects a lot of people, that people were at my mom's grave honoring who she was. It wasn't sympathy. It was honor. They were honoring her life because it was way outside of normal. To them. So they thought they'd honor the enigma of their life, figuring I might never run into another person like this again, when it's what we're all called to be. Please don't get trapped in this stuff. Don't wake up and have a sincere heart and get trapped in complaining and thinking for you when it's all about him. Let's don't sing songs that's all about Jesus and really reveal it's about us. Don't just live for today. Live for that day. Don't let faith just be a tool to get blessings and prayers answered. Let faith be a perspective you live by. Are you guys following me? One faith, one mind, one spirit. What's that mean? That means in our diversity of gifts and callings and passions and desires, we all live for the same reason, his image and love. We all wake up for the same reason. It's not uniformity, it's unity. We all look different. We have different burnings, different passions, different desires. <laughs> you like the word fire, and you like the word rain, and you like the word whatever. It doesn't make us different. It makes us one when it's all for the same, <laughs> because it's all fire. <laughs> He's so funny. He's like, how'd you get hooked up in that ministry, the fire and rain, that fire and rain ministry? I said, fire and rain. Yeah, that fire and rain thing. It was fire and rain. I said, oh, power and love. He said, yeah. 
Fire and rain. <laughs> so when you say power and love, all he hears is fire and rain because everything's fire. And rain is fire. So fire and rain. It's all fire. <laughs> We're not even going to try to pray for you. <laughs> we just like you the way you are. We just let you that way. Only God could do that. He, he, didn't he say it's so matter of fact? He didn't even blink. He's like, the fire and rain. I said, oh, you mean power and love? Oh, yeah, yeah, like fire and rain. And I'm like, wait a minute. Power and love is fire and rain. I don't know what language you're speaking, Dan. Come over here in the kingdom. We're going to pray for the sick tonight, okay? You're going to help me. It'll be fun. It'll be powerful. And things are going to happen all through this room. And it won't be my fault. It won't be your fault. I'm serious. And there ain't nothing anybody can do to stop it. It's too late. I've already preached some gospel. I'm serious. And I'm not nervous. And I'm not, I don't have to produce anything. Jesus is going to come in and change things in people's bodies tonight. He just is. But I want you to hang with me and stay in here for a minute. And let me just share a couple more things in my heart. And then we'll do it, okay? You guys good? Yeah. Okay, because this one more thing's in my heart. Remember I said in Colossians, because you died, and your life is hidden in Christ, and when Christ appears, you appear with him in glory. So your life is in him, he's in you. So you died. You did not pray a prayer to go to heaven, and you did not become a Christian for blessing. Let's get that out of our theology and get it out of our preaching. We're Christians for new life. You don't just come to God so he heals your marriage. You come to God to become the person he created you to be so your marriage can be healed. God did not put one person on the earth with the job description and destiny of meeting your insecurity or your need. He put people on the earth to love. Not to need love, to be love. Do you get that? Do you understand that in the beginning God made man like him? And God is love. So man, apart from sin, before sin, was completely fulfilled in God and with God. So man was love. When man ate the tree, he cut himself off from the source of love and became in desperate need of love. And every man since that day was born into Adam and you must be born again. We've turned that into a prayer to go to heaven. So every one of us was born with a lost identity, didn't know who we were, needed appreciated, needed valued, wanted to fit in, needed accepted. That's why we talk about rejection so much because we don't understand the gospel. It's impossible to be rejected now that he's come. You're accepted in the beloved. And it doesn't matter who did what, who said what, how traumatic it was. It matters that he's come. He's come. And we've got to stop trying to jump through hoops and open all these doors and heal all these wounds. What wounds? One truth changes it all. One truth. Come on. I told you yesterday, I think my dad was alcoholic, never said I love you. When I was old enough to drive, I had to go pick him up at bars. He got so strung out on alcohol that his body said, I'm done. He'd have to choke down a beer and hold back vomiting to make his insides numb so he could drink the second beer and then he couldn't walk. Two beers, couldn't walk, horrible couldn't walk, like, because it went straight into him because his liver said, I'm done. 
When I was a kid, he'd sit all day and watch sports. I'm not kidding you. Drink a whole case, and you couldn't tell he was drinking. All day, he'd just sip, watch, drink, watch, sit, drink, watch, not eat, drink, and you really couldn't tell he was drinking. And 20 years later, didn't do a whole lot together. When he was in that state, he'd look at me and yell at me and tell me I'll never be nothing. Why? He was hurt and he had nothing to give. If I don't understand that, I'm just another hurt kid, an angry kid. And I'm letting what my father isn't decide what I am and what he's not giving me becomes my excuse to be less than what I'm called to. I am not selling cheap. I've been bought with a price. You're not selling me that language. You can't psychologically talk me into it. And God forbid the Christians embrace anything else. Listen, if you try to drink from a dry cup, of course you're thirsty. Drink from a river that never runs dry. Just take one drink of that river and find out who you really are and you'll never be insecure or needy again. One drink and you'll never be thirsty again. See, Adam was fulfilled and when he sinned, he became thirsty because he got cut off from life. God didn't change his mind about men. He sent a redeemer. He prophesied somebody's coming. The seed going to trump the head, crush the head. Bam, you bruise heel. You know it. <sighs> we were born thirsty. We were created to be love, and we grew up in need of love. People still do it at churches today. They go to churches to test it and see if it's loving. And I say, it ought to be. You were there. So, you know, I went over to Rock City, and I don't know. I didn't get really that. Many people didn't say hi. I sat over in the corner and just to see if anybody would come over to me. And nobody really came over. It seemed like they were a little clicky. I mean, they weren't talking and hugging. And I mean, a couple of people said hi, but nobody said, who are you? And I just don't think I'm going back there. I don't think it was very loving. That's a very hurting, deceived person. And we feel like we have to cater to that and make sure that we know. I think we need to teach how to live different. You're like, well, make sure you love them. Wonder if in all our efforts to just make sure everybody's encouraged, we're enabling something twisted. Be sincere, love people. But that person that's sitting there needs a revelation. They might not have it, so it's good to just notice people and love people. But at some point, we need to become love, not just lean on it. I don't know. I've been coming here for a while, and things just seem to change, and people don't, and it's different, and I don't know. And No, no. You're changing. And because you're starting to believe that, now you're looking through that screen and now you're really getting critical. Because it's not even about if anybody's loving you. It's about if you're loving. Because the day I wake up for you to love me, I'm only as good as you're doing me. But the day I wake up to love you, I'm free. And you can't stop me now. <laughs> you can't fail me. You can't break my heart. You can't hurt me. Because I didn't wake up for what you can do for me. I woke up to be like him. What a powerful place. Yeah. You're always on the front row. You see how I slide over to you? You cheer me on. You're like the best. He's like. You're just awesome. She just listens and giggles. Right at the right time. It's just fun. 
No, because I see your heart every time you do. I'm not trying to brag. Just like you a lot. You're awesome. I got to share this. There's a wilderness in the Bible. We know about it. We've preached that thing and preached that thing and preached that thing. And it's all good stuff. We learn from it. But it's the wilderness, the children of Israel. God sends the plagues. Moses goes, deliver. You guys know the story, right? And all of a sudden, Pharaoh says, get out of here. The people are like, would you go here? Take our goods. Take our riches. Take our gold. Just go. They're like, woo-hoo. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> they head into the promised land. They don't go very far, and there's water all around them, and they can't get nowhere. Pharaoh changes his mind, and he's tracking them down, and they're coming to kill. And they're like, Forget this gold. Forget all that. Forget all this deliverance. You know, Moses, what, you send us out here to die? And they start complaining. And, ah! and Moses says, Lord, hold on. He says, why are you crying out to me? Take that staff I gave you. Raise and split the sea. Whoa. Why? It works. <laughs> right? The Egyptians follow. <laughs> Dead Egyptians. Not a good thing. So they're on the other side singing the song of Moses. Woo! Right? And they don't go too far. And they're like, man, we're thirsty. Moses, where's the water? Well, I don't know. Man, what kind of leader are you, man? Well, look, don't forget the sea. Don't forget the plagues. Don't forget how he delivered. Well, I don't know about all that. I'm thirsty. Where's the water? I ain't sure. I don't know where the water is. And where's the milk and honey? I don't know, man. We're working it out. I'm talking to God. Well, you better talk. I don't know what your, if your communication's clear, but I don't see no milk and honey. And where's a lot of us? My kids are thirsty. <laughs> Let me talk to God. God, where's the water? Tell you what, Moses, just go strike that rock. And the rock was Christ. You go strike the rock. He did, and that thing split water like they claim theologians claim there could have been two million people I don't really know but it was a lot and the water came in (laughs) (laughs) and all of a sudden they got to bunk up and wake up and next thing you know it's just rocks and caverns and no life of plants and I'll tell you what there was there was a cloud by day there was a fire by night Every morning they woke up, there was this stuff. What is it? All over the ground. What is it? They didn't even know it. Manna. What is it? And it came that the people of Israel, the children of Israel, see, because they started saying, you know what? It'd be better for us if we just be back in Egypt. If we just be back in Egypt. You know, it'd be better for us. We just go back under Pharaoh. At least we had, we had it better back there. We had leeks and onions, and we had this and that. I mean, what is this anyway? And they began to complain against Moses, against God, and loathe the worthless bread. The bread was pointing to the bread that was to come. That bread was Christ. That rock was Christ. That fire, that cloud was Christ. It's Jesus with them in the wilderness. But you know what happened to them? They became unthankful. You know what the Bible always talks to you about? Thankfulness, 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 thankfulness. Because when you lose your thankfulness, you've turned inward. 
and you've been thinking for you. And you found a reason not to be thankful when we can't be thankful enough. Because I was lost and now I'm found. I will never be judged for my sin. I will be judged in righteousness. I have a place in eternal life in the presence of the Father forever. I've been accepted and not rejected. And you think I'm going to have people issues and trouble if I believe that? Do you think I'm going to be a he said, she said guy if I believe what I'm preaching to you? Not today, friend. Tomorrow ain't a good day either. <laughs> Come on. So what happened to the children of Israel? They lost sight of why they were there. If you read the Bible, why God chose them as the first fruit, the holy lump, why they were God's people, if you read your Bible, it'll tell you this. So that the nations of the world would know his name through them. That they would fear him through his people. Revere him. Their whole purpose for being his people was so the world would know him. And guess what they got caught up in? Their circumstances and provision. Their satisfaction, their dislikes. They're like, this ain't no five-star Hilton. This is the wilderness, pal. You said we got a promised land. Where is it? Yeah? Do you know they all ended up wandering and dying and never reached a promise? You guys know that. We preach that, like preach that and preach that and preach that. But we got to understand that one thing kept them from the promise, thinking for themselves. Jesus comes years later, and as soon as he comes out of the waters of baptism, where's Holy Spirit lead him and compel him to go? Into the wilderness. Same wilderness to be tempted by the devil at all points. Tested and tried. In 40 days he fulfills what they failed for 40 years. Christians say, well pray for me, I'm going through a wilderness. Must be the Israelites, you ought to hop over here in Jesus' wilderness. Oh, I'm on you a little right now. Stay with me, I can feel a little funny in the room right now. Don't get aggravated with me. No, I feel that. Don't you get aggravated with me. Listen. They went into the wilderness thinking for themselves. He went in selfless thinking for him, for the Father, and for us. And he came out of the wilderness in the spirit and in power. The wilderness had no ability to destroy him. The wilderness empowered him. Because of one thing. Never thinking for himself because he's love. When you get dry and weary in the wilderness, it's because you're thinking about how everything you're going through is affecting you personally. And you fail to see who you are in the light of him and make the most of the moment and manifest light in the midst of the trial. I was preaching in Alabama and a young man said, man, I'm getting a revelation. He got excited. I said, what, man? And I took a risk and I let him, because I'm strong enough personality that if he would have Butchered some up, I'd have just fixed it and protected him all in the same breath. <laughs> so I said, what is it, man? He stood up and I said, if I'm hearing you right, man, I'm realizing there's no bad days in Christ, only opportunities to shine. And I went, you got exactly what I'm saying, dude. That's it. I'm catching a plane out of here. Come on. I said, pastor, you can fly me home. We did it. <laughs> no bad days in Christ. Only opportunities to shine. Don't you be a foolish man that hears and doesn't become and do. Because the winds and waves are coming. And not to destroy you. To destroy what's being built. 
You take the wins personal, you'll miss the point. Be a wise man that hears and does, becomes. Right? And the storms come and beat vehemently against the house. The storm, stop taking it personal and thinking it's about you. It's trying to destroy what God is building so you never become what he paid for you to be. Yeah, but I feel and I think, stop. You died already. Yeah, but they did me wrong. Yeah, we did God wrong a few times, and we did each other wrong. We want people to forgive us. That's become forgiveness. We want God to show mercy. That's become mercy. He called the servant in Matthew 18 evil and wicked that wanted forgiven of everything he ever did and wouldn't become forgiveness. If you study out the money back in 1997, the talents and denarii was $19,500,000. The master forgave the servant of $19 million debt, and he put his fellow servant in prison for 500 bucks. He wasn't put on a payment plan for $19 million. It was forgiven. And then he said, pay me what you owe me. And he said, I don't have it. He said, you better. And he shut him in a prison. That means he locked him in his heart and saw him for what he didn't give him. And the fellow servants were grieved, and they ran to the master and said, hey, this guy that you forgave everything... He just put his brother in prison for 500 bucks. And he said, bring him here. He said, you evil and wicked servant. I forgave you of everything you owed me. Should you not have forgiven your brother? He said to having bound and cast out. See, a person living in unforgiveness is bound and tormented living in darkness. It says if you hate your brother, you're in darkness till now. If it says if you say you love God and don't love your brother, you're a liar. That's how strong the Bible is. He's not a legalist. He's the truth. And he doesn't want us to try to receive something without the humility to become that thing. He didn't just forgive us so we're forgiven. He didn't just give you promises so you get fat barns and blessings. <gasps> Come on, man. One thing separated the Israelites' wilderness and Jesus's. Dramatic outcomes, differences. Wandered, died, never reached the promise for years. Forty days, spirit and power, angels ministering to him, opens the scroll. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. One bow to the flesh. When bow to the devil, didn't seek his own glory. He went in the wilderness for one reason. The name of the Lord and the love of the people. And the wilderness had no power over that. And it shouldn't have any over us now that we see. Why is it so hard in the morning to come out of your tent? And you look, and there it is all over the ground again. And instead of going, huh. Same old stuff. Here we go. God, you think you'd have a little variety? I mean, where's the raisins? I mean, you think you'd put some dried something in there? I mean, no. Come on. Some of you ladies are awesome. You can get this. You, you could do this. Because I saw you up there loving on him. Watch this. This would be you coming out. You come out of your tent in the morning. You got your little baby sitting in there. And you just, you come out and you go, You could do this. There you are again. 
You're so awesome. Your faithfulness all over the ground. Here we are in the middle of nowhere. But you're here, so we're somewhere. And we'll always be okay. I could sleep in there with my babies all night and never worry a bit. Because you take good care of us, Lord. You know, I'm so glad you only let me take enough for today. Because I'll see you tomorrow. Isn't that good? Come on, that's so good. What's so hard about that? Why do we have to complain? Why do we prove it's still about us and sing it's about him? Come on. Man, if your attitude, if your perspective, if your motive is not producing life, it cannot be the Lord. Let's not keep living by lies. We were trained by a lie. We were homeschooled in the wrong home. Welcome home. Come back to truth and let truth make you free. We were tutored by the spirit of the world and the spirit of this age. No longer conformed to the world. Transformed by the renewing of our minds. I'm going to think like I never thought before. Man, this thing used to be about me. It ain't about me. It's about him. That is not a Christian cliche. That is a truth we live by. And you'll find out if you really believe that when your friend dies or your mama dies or you lose your job or your car gets wrecked. I'm not prophesying these things. I'm saying they're just things that happen in people's lives. And none of those things should change us because it doesn't change him. I've been in serious car wrecks where people blew through intersections, almost could have killed me and the kids. It looked like we had to die. We're trapped in there and can barely get out. We had to push out and get my door open and I had to pull them out and you couldn't even tell it was my vehicle. And I'm in there with my arms wrapped around them smiling. You have no idea. It's called the Spirit of God. And I said, kids, we were just in an accident and the car is still rolling. I don't have the wheel. I don't even know where we are. It's pitch dark and we got walloped good. And all I know is my arms instinctively by the Holy Spirit went wrapped right around my kids. And I said, listen, kids. I didn't say, is everybody okay? I didn't give them a chance not to be. (laughs) (laughs) Might be a little deep. I don't know if you'll get this. But I woke up in the morning and cried and cried and cried. And the Spirit of God ministering to me. Saying, Dan, keep seeking me. Keep praying. You're on to something. Keep believing. I'm transforming you. He said, you were walking in the dominion that I gave Adam. That I talk about. The authority. You're not to be subdued. You're to subdue. He said, when you took authority, you didn't give them a chance to not be okay. What you spoke is what came. And you walked in the priesthood of your home. How do you have authority over what you fear? Nope, all you have is a Christian technique. You have a Christian method. You're speaking, quoting scripture. If you have fear, you have no authority over what you fear. You can't fear something and have authority over it. You crawl out of that car. And that little Spanish boy that hits you, he don't have no license or insurance. And you don't know that. But you look at his car and you can't believe he's alive. And you look at your car and you go, wow. You got your arms around your kids and you say, guys, we were just in an accident, but it's okay. Kids, accidents happen in all your life. You'll get thrown into things. But listen, Jesus is Lord and that's why everybody's okay. 
I was probably covering him and didn't even know it. If I'd have been complaining, somebody might have had all busted up stuff. You might be amazed at what I'm talking about and how real it is. You can hardly preach this way because then people are condemned when they were in wrecks and somebody's busted up because they did complain. They think, I probably brought it on me. You can hardly talk truth because we get so sensitive. We're so alive and we sing we're dead. We can hardly bring it straight because we get hurt by it instead of changed by it. Are you okay? We okay? You guys all right? So that kid comes running and he, he realizes he's messed up, man. He's got no driver's license, no insurance. He's of age. He's over 18. He's in trouble. I don't know that. I just know I'm glad he's alive. He come running to me. I never liked wearing a seatbelt, so I felt like even though they passed the law and said you got to wear a seatbelt, I'm thinking, ah, you know, I don't like seatbelts. It's constraining. But the Bible says to obey the laws of the land, and you want to walk in grace, just obey the laws. Because if you break one law, you'll probably find yourself. And if you give a little 10% compromise, probably in two years you'll be 30%, and then you'll be 50%. Just put your seatbelt on and stop fighting it if it's a law in your town. I'm just telling you, I don't know who I'm talking to, but just stop fighting it. Come on, you're not above the law. Don't try to be above the law. Just hook up your seatbelt and be a good example. We're Christians. Let's just obey this stuff. But I was in a wrong attitude, and I would never put mine on. Well, I had an old Nissan pickup, and I don't know if you know about them old Nissan pickups, but they had little hard steering wheels with little dimples on them on the inside, and they were really skinny, and they were rock hard. They didn't have no padding or nothing. Well, in the impact, my head must have jerked forward and nailed that thing, and I didn't know it. But I could feel this cobweb of blood running all down my face in the dark. And I told my kids, now listen, I feel like maybe I got some blood on my face or I cut my head or something, kids. I said, I don't want you to be afraid. Daddy's okay. I don't want you in any fear. Everything's fine. And I reached up before we found a way out. I reached up. Now watch this. I reached up, and my index finger went inside the gash like a Lego. Ching, fell right in it. I'm talking, I didn't know you could have a gash that deep in your head. I'm just being honest and still be awake. And I was totally coherent, crystal clear, and filled with the Holy Ghost. But I'll tell you what, I had a Lego match. <laughs> and I said in my heart, Lord, this isn't a plea bargain. It's not manipulation. I get the point. Might not have this gash if I'd have just had my seatbelt on. I'll wear it from now on, I promise. But what I'm asking you for is mercy. Because I don't want to be rushed to no hospital. And I don't want them making a fuss and my kids being afraid for their daddy. Have mercy on a daddy's heart. Have mercy on a daddy's head. And guard my family tonight and forgive me for not wearing that belt. It'll never happen again. And I just forgot about it. And I got out of the car and that kid saw my face. And there was blood all over. And I got out and the kids and they got in the street light and went. Oh, and I said, it's all right. It's okay. My little girl looked and said, Daddy, your truck. I said, it's a truck, honey. Come here. Look at us. Kids running. I said, hey, buddy, it's okay. It's not what you're thinking and feeling. We love you. Nobody's even mad at you. And I was smiling as big as I ever smiled. And I said, I need you to do something with me, son. Look at your car. He looks at his car. I said, look at my truck. He's like, you're killing me. <laughs> I'm like, listen, man. We probably shouldn't be standing here. But we are. And we need to give the right one glory. I don't know if you know him, but his name's Jesus and he's my king. I need you to lift your hands with me and my children. We're going to thank him that we're home. And in the middle of the street, people are running to hear the screams and the fuss. And didn't you see the blanking sign? And what in the... Yeah? 
we saw the sign, we wouldn't be sitting there like that. <laughs> the silly questions we ask. <laughs> We're like, you, you get out of your car and you look at it and go, <sighs> and then you go over and try to tell them why it's okay when you proved it's not. And all of a sudden, you make your vehicle more valuable than the soul of man. And then you wonder why God let it happen, and I thought he's protecting me. Ah, wrong theology, man. It's a long story. I don't know why I'm on it, but I hope you get something out of it. But I hugged that kid, and the cop looked at my head. He didn't like my Christian confession at all, the policeman. And he looked at me, and he said, you need medical attention. Sit on that curb. I said, well, there's a fellow from our church lives up the street. He's right here. I want to take my kids. He said, you ain't going nowhere. You sit right here. I said, sir, can I at least let my children go up to the house? I said, go with Bill, okay? It's all right. I'll be up in a minute. And he's being rough with me. I wasn't sure why other than I realized he didn't like my Christian confession. So I'm sitting there, and I see him put handcuffs on the boy. And I said, What's, why are they? And he said, don't you even know? He doesn't have no insurance. No, that boy messed up big. He's caused a lot of problems. He's going straight to jail. I said, oh, and I just took off running. He's like, hey, you, I said, I'll be back. <laughs> Apparently I had a gash in my head because he thought I needed, right? So I go running, and when he told me you need medical attention, I said, sir, it's just a little cut. He said, yeah, sit on the curb. So I go running to the boy, and I said, I said, guys, guys, please. And the cops look at me like, whoa, this is the guy he hit, and they don't know what I'm about to do. Take one last shot before they can put him in the car, maybe. <laughs> They're used to that stuff, but they ain't used to what they got. I ran up there and I said, please don't put him in. Please stop. Tears filled my eyes. I say, son, I realize you made a big mistake. I just found out you didn't have insurance. And he puts his head down. I said, no, look at me. I tip it up. I want you to know, son, you're going to have to pay a price, whatever. I don't know what happens through all this. I need you to know something. You're so much more than the mistake you made tonight. And I'm not mad at you. And I don't hate you. I love you, son. You're so much more than the mistake you made tonight. And the way I'm responding and what you're seeing in me is Jesus. And son, he wants to live in you the same way. Father, I thank you right now. Right? <laughs> Serious. And he's just standing there. He's just standing there. You know? And then I lean in. And I Right there. And I hugged him. And them cops are standing there like, Okay, come on, let's get in the car. <laughs> Serious, you have no idea. So everyone's sitting now, woo, 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 man, they got fire ambulance, they got everything's coming now, man. And I heard them sirens and I went, ah, oh, my kids. I said, sir, I can't have my kids in fear. I don't want them up at the house in fear. I got to go see them and let them know daddy's all right and I'll come right back. He said, you're not going anywhere, sir. You need to stay on the curb. Those sirens are coming for you. Now, don't you ever do this. Are you recording this? Don't you ever do this. Watch. You don't do this. He turns his back and he's doing traffic. I get up and I grab his shoulder. Don't do it. I don't even hardly remember it. I grab, you don't do that to a policeman. No, you don't. I grabbed his shoulder and turned him. And he turned and looked right in my eyes and froze. 
I don't know what he saw. I don't know what God did. But I said, look at me, sir. You believe I'm in shock and you don't appreciate my Christian confession. But I'm a daddy. And I got children up there that matter to me. And I need to go see them because I won't have them in fear. He said, sounds like a totally legitimate request to me, sir. Just come back as soon as you can. <laughs> don't you try that. <laughs> You'll get arrested. Say, well, Dan did it. Stop. <laughs> yeah, is he here? Who's the captain of the police force? You don't do what I did. No way, right? <laughs> I didn't even contemplate it. I don't even remember it. I just know it was the Lord. I didn't, you can't even try that stuff. It just happened in the moment. Because it was God, it worked. Like more than worked. So I run in the house, and my kids come running. I said, hey kids, just want to let you know daddy's fine. And they're just going to look me over quick, and we're going to head home soon. Bill's going to take us home. Paramedics come rushing in, and they said, hey, we're looking for the driver of that truck out there. We need to see. And they're in a hurry. They're rushing because the police said that man needs medical attention. And he thinks you know, I'm in shock or something. And I said, well, guys, I said, it's me. I'm the driver of the truck. And he said, sir, this is no time for jokes. He said, we need to find the driver. <laughs> <laughs> now what did I do? <laughs> I said, sir, I'm not sure where the problem is and why you're upset with me. But I'm the driver of the truck. And he went and looked at his friend, the paramedic, like, why do we need a guy like this right now? <laughs> and all of a sudden it hit me and I said, oh my goodness, I know why you don't think I was driving my countenance, my disposition. Because I was exactly like you see me right now. Exactly. That's impossible, humanly. But if you spend time with him and ask him to make you like him and do what we were singing tonight and not just let it be a corporate song, but your closet prayer, and you want to be a light and you want to walk in influence and you want to be beyond what you were ever before he was in your life and you want to walk in every faucet of grace and every fixing and working and manifestation of grace that he paid for and you don't want one drop of grace to miss your life, but make me like you, when the car slams, you'll go into a zone that you're not responsible for. And it's not works, and it's not because you're trying to apply the last sermon you heard pastor preach. You've become the sermon. And the paramedic said, Sir, if you're the driver of that truck, I've been to over a thousand accidents on my logs, and I've never seen anything like this. And I said, I can explain. <laughs> I just told him about Jesus and how he was my life. And that I don't have aught and issues and I don't live in fear. That Jesus is absolutely Lord. And he said, well, the police officer said and some of the people out there said that you need medical attention and that you have a real gash in your head and that you need to go to the hospital. I said, no, I'm fine. And he looked and he said, well, we need to check it, sir. And, he, and I'm like, because, you know, I prayed and everything, but I'm just like, you know, he's going to look at it. So... It is what it is. We'll work, we'll work it out. So it wasn't unbelief or anything. I'm just like, here we go. 
He moves my hair and he shines a flashlight in the foyer of the house and he says, oh my, well that's nothing, it's just a little cut. And tears flooded my eyes and I went, it was that day, that day, out on the street my finger went inside. And blood poured down my face. I never realized when Bill handed me the towel and I wiped the blood, it never bled again. Didn't even realize it. Guys, I was jogging and a pit bull came off a porch, flew across the yard, jumped in the street and laid his canines into the main vein in the side of my leg so quick that I didn't know what happened. And I was bleeding out in the street, shoe red, puddle that big, never saw that much blood come out of the body ever. I thought he was a, I thought he was a, one of those shock collar dogs. All bark, no bite. I was wrong. <laughs> he laid into me crunch. A pit bull, his fangs were so big, they went the whole way into my leg and he turned and waddled back to the porch. And blood spewing out of my leg. In a moment, my whole side of my sneaker was red. And the lady came out and went, oh. and I said, it's okay, honey. He just bit me. It'll all be fine. I'll explain. Could you grab me a towel? <laughs> and she went. The husband came out and saw my leg and went, and I'm already walking up their driveway. And he, he's like, oh. I said, it's all right. Relax, sir. This is a good day for you. I'll explain in a minute. I said, your wife's getting me a towel, so we'll just wait on her. When she comes out, I'll explain. I got two holes in my leg that are so big, I could have stuck my pinky easy down in both holes. It's right on that main big old serious whatever's down there. And it's a, it's bleeding out, baby. Bleeding out. I'm smiling to them like I'm smiling to you. And I'm not trying to be okay. I don't know how not to be. He, she came out with a towel and I said, guys, I want you to understand I'm a Christian. That doesn't mean I just go to church. I live and breathe and sleep. Jesus, he's inside of me and he's my king. And that's why all this is going to work out fine and I'm going to be fine. And I need to talk to you about something. And I just wiped it all off. And when I wiped the towel over the holes, not one more drop of blood came out of the holes. And I looked at him and smiled and I said, do you see? He's already revealing himself. I said, look. And they went, oh. I said, everything will be fine. So I stood there and I said, listen, guys. I want you to know you'll never hear about this. It'll never come up. You're not in trouble. But this is a day of mercy for you. Because if you're going to have a dog like this, with this potential, you have to be amazingly super responsible to never, ever, 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 ever let this happen again. Because if I was a child or someone elderly or someone that didn't have the heart that I had, this is a trouble day. <laughs> but it's not a trouble day at all. Because I love you and Jesus lives in me and I'm not one bit mad at you. Learn a lesson today and never let it happen. Well, he wasn't supposed I, I get it. But he was. Don't miss the point. 
Don't ever let it happen again. And I said, so I'll see you guys, okay? And I hugged the lady real tight. God bless you. I love you, honey. Come here, man. Pursue Jesus. I'm not even sure if you know him. He's worth knowing. He's amazing. She said, sir, but don't you need to go to the emergency room? Can't we take you somewhere? I said, I'm fine, honey. I got two and a half miles to run. I got to do a radio thing, and I got to preach to 100 and some 300 pastors, actually, it was. And she said, oh, I said, bless you. Have a great day. Right? Long story short, I get back to the hotel. The lady at the desk, who I just prayed for that cried before I went to run, heard something for her, talked to her, wept like a baby at her desk, prayed for her. I come back now, I got blood. My whole shoe, she happened to look down and say, what happened? Her and the maintenance man both talked. He said, she said, she said, you got bit by a dog? I said, it's okay, I'm fine. Well, are you going to get checked out? You need to get a tetanus shot. You need to get, dogs have like tons of bacteria and da-da-da-da. I'm like, okay, I get it. Now listen, I'm not telling you to do this. But leave me alone. I'm not telling you to do it. Just please leave me alone. I'm doing so okay. By the end of that night, before I went to bed, those holes were completely closed. By morning, you could only see the trace of one. Just leave me alone. I understand the natural knowledge. I understand. But don't let it rise above spiritual truth. Yeah. And if you're not willing to believe what I'm preaching, don't try it. Go get your tetanus shot and you're not less spiritual. But if I'm willing, leave me alone. This precious black brother said, you got bit by a dog? He's Alabama. You got bit by a dog? I'm not making fun of black folks. This, this brother was amazing. He said, you got bit by a dog? I said, yeah, man. He said, man, you need to get some help. He said, you got to listen to this girl. My mama, her mama got bit by a dog, and look what she told you. Same thing happened to me, bro. I got bit by a dog, and I thought, I'll be all right. My thumb throbbed and throbbed for three days. I was wishing they'd cut it off. I said, stop, man. What are you trying to sell me? Stop. And I said, I'll be fine, man. And he said, well, where was that dog? Who bit you? What are you going to do about it? I said, I'll tell you what I did about it. I hugged him. I told him never let it happen again. I love him, and I prayed with him, and I told him Jesus loves him, and I told him it was a day of mercy. He said, what? <laughs> I said, yeah. He looked at me, Alabama, man. He said, you for real, man. <laughs> you for real, man. Can I hug you, man? You for real. I said, come here. And he kept saying, you for real. I said, now you're bothering me with that you're for real thing because I'm thinking, what else is there? I guess fake, phony, hypocrite, half in, half out. Why is real always astounding? People say to me all the time, and I don't receive it as a compliment. You say, you know what I like about you? You're for real. And I'm thinking, well, what are we? Are we all fake and then we get refreshed by real? Oh, man. Are we okay? My life's exciting. That night I go to church and preach with all my heart. Four undercover policemen sit around me at the end. And he leans over and I think, something's strange. I thought, this looks a little different. The guy leans over, I'm officer so-and-so. I said, yeah? He said, they're all with me, these three. I said, I knew something was up. What's up? He said, well, we have concerns for your well-being, your welfare, and even your life. And 
He said, there's been some threats and apparently somebody's concerned because somebody's not happy about you being here and the things you preach. And we're here to make sure you get out of here with your life and get out of here. Okay, we're going to do our job. We'll make sure you're well, sir. I said, man, I honor you and respect you, bud. Thanks for what you do. And thanks. But listen, don't you get offended. I honor you. There's a place for you in society. Believe me, Romans talks about you. But I said, now ain't the time. You're in the wrong place. I said, because it's intimidation. And if you don't face it, you'll have to run from it the rest of your life. I said, so if somebody says they're going to kill me, let's let it play out and see if they can. I don't believe it. <laughs> see, you don't know if you really don't love your own life unto death till you get the chance. And I can tell you, I didn't even have to try not to be afraid. It wasn't even a challenge or a thought because I'm never going to die. Look, somebody could stand up right now and shoot me in the chest with a 45. I'm not going to die. <laughs> and you people that actually love me or care about me in the body, don't cry. Glean and grow from the things God's imparted and go after it and be an epistle. Don't say, well, why did God let that happen? I loved him. He was a gift. And I Stop it. <laughs> what are you doing? Sentimental things, stop. <laughs> so guess what? He said, well, I disagree. And I said, I'm not asking you to agree. I honor you, and I appreciate you, and thank you for what you do for this community. But I don't want anybody hovering over me, and I don't want any. You diffuse this, and you let it pan out. And if somebody kills me, and they can, they can, I won't die. But I don't believe they can. I'm not being arrogant. I'm just facing intimidation. Don't anybody protect me. And they diffused. And I just talked to everybody, and I was like the last one to leave. And we're in the parking lot hanging out. They had me a little rental car in a hotel. So I went to my rental car. <laughs> I went to my rental car, went to my hotel, and went to my room. And now I'm here. So I guess everything's okay. <laughs> I just whipped out a whole lot of stories. The clincher of the car wreck, it was just the first one I was ever in. We got home. The guy that drove us a street preacher, street guy, he knocks on doors. He's, he loves to mess with you. Like, he's the kind of guy, if he knew you were a Christian, if you came to his church and he went to your church and he saw you in the marketplace, if he saw you in the grocery store, he'd see you and he'll mess with you. Here's what he would do. He'd see you and he'll come walking up the aisle and he's grabbing some stuff. And out of the blue, scare you. Is there anybody in the store that loves Jesus? Is there anybody that'll give him a praise? And most Christians go, and he loves it. He just loves to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> he's never quiet, man. And he's driving me home silent. He's just driving. And I got worried. I thought, he's thinking one of these crazy thoughts like, I wonder what's in Dan's life that opened the door for this. There's a theology lesson here. And I said, Bill, I hope you're never quiet, man. He's like, I said, Bill, man, I hope you're not thinking. It's just on my mind. It's not a word of knowledge. I'm just concerned. You're not thinking. He said, oh, no, brother. He just started to cry. Bill started to cry. Watch what he said. Whew, really convicting me. 
He said, I just saw an expression of Holy Spirit living that I actually didn't even know was possible. I'm so overwhelmed by it because I know personally if that was my kids and that boy hit me like that, I'd have knocked him out and dealt with it later. Street evangelism. You jeopardize my family. I'd have punched him, knocked him cold in the street and dealt with the Lord in my heart later. And I said, Bill, you kid, I'm telling you, Dan, I'm tore up. I need to go spend some time with Jesus. We get home. My wife gives us them extra triple hugs because she knows what we've been through. I'm thinking, man, we ought to get in a car wreck every day. <laughs> you walk in the house and she's like, hey. I mean, my feet are off the ground. <laughs> just hugging. So glad you're home. It's that hug like you could have died. <laughs> right? I'm serious. And then my kids, oh. And my daughter, oh. And I'm going up the stairs laughing like, girl, you're awesome, you know. I get to the door and my daughter says, mommy. And I eavesdrop. I stop. Now listen, they didn't know I was still there. She said, Mommy, we were just in a terrible accident. You don't understand how bad it was. Mommy, you wouldn't even recognize Daddy's truck. She said, Mommy, I would see cars smash like that sitting at schools and parking lots and garages, and I would get this fear would come over me. And I would look and think, oh, somebody was in a car like that. Wait, did you ever do that? You look at a car and you think, oh, somebody was in there. She said, Mommy, we were in one of those. That's what Daddy's truck looks like. But Mommy... I couldn't be afraid. I couldn't be afraid. I would just look into daddy's face. And I just knew everything was okay. And I went, how prophetic is that? <laughs> and I went, to the bedroom. For probably a half hour to 40 minutes, undone, because that's, why you're saved. You're not saved to complain. You're not saved to represent your flesh. You're representing Jesus. You're not saved to have issues and question God. You become like him. Now I just told you some intense, wonderful stories. It explains why I am the way I am. Because I don't preach this gospel. I live this gospel. I don't preach the word. I've been blessed to become it in many ways. That I, It's not my fault. I didn't try to be that way when those things happened. I was caught alone with him. And I sought him in the secret. And he rewarded me in the open. You get it? You're going to live like that? You're going to get alone with Jesus like never before? You're going to give your life to him like never before? I've been preaching on becoming love all weekend. You can't become love because you go out here and try to apply the message. You go be with him and tell him yes. And you tell him you're willing and I give up my rights, my attitudes, the things that are non-productive, the things that sell my neighbors short and my spouse less. I give it all to you, God, and I want an eye that looks like you look. I want a heart that loves like you love. I thank you for making me one with you, living in me and flowing through me. I say yes 
to love. You wake up in the morning and you don't complain about your job, the time of your work schedule. You wake up and you say, thank you for the gift of life. And God, even though this job and schedule is a challenge to my flesh, I live by my spirit and your grace will make the difference. And God, I have compassion for my boss. I used to be frustrated, but man, are you changing me? Would you have mercy on him and let my life speak to his heart and sow into him? I'm done judging him and being mad at him. God, thank you for changing me. God. Yeah? That's probably a fun way to live. And I bet you'll have testimonies in your day. It'll be pretty exciting. Yeah. And you won't be like, pray for me, man. I'm going through a wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. It's just the truth. Okay. Now here's, man, I took long. Well, see, you told me we had an extra hour, but then you guys worshiped an extra hour. So... I just thought, he's a man of his word. He said, I had an extra hour, so. <laughs> Actually, I didn't think that at all until just now, and it sounded really good <laughs> to me. We want to pray for the sick. Can we? Yeah. Will you give me the grace, Pastor, to do a body thing and keep, keep it in order, even though there's visitors, and make sure it's super clean, I promise you? That, yeah, yeah, we can then. Do they need to do that right away? You want to just do it right now? Have them go grab their kids? Yeah. Uh, can you grab your kids? That way they'll be in on it. Maybe they can help us too. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like that? I bet your kids would. Come on, go grab your kids if you can and come on back as no, soon as we, you can. We don't mind kids being noisy and yeah, bad. yeah. We, like we, we don't mind kids in the house. That's what Pastor's saying. I'm, I'm so that way. We don't mind. Don't be upset because your kids are here and think they're going to be distracting and whatever. Yeah, the kids don't, won't phase a thing. Come on, and they won't run Holy Spirit out of the room. He loves kids, believe me. You know, we get so like, ha, ah, uptight with our kids in churches, man. It's like, oh, oh. So uh, we're going to let them grab the kids, and I need them to come back so we can do what we're going to do. It's going to be fun. It's going to be helpful. We're gonna, it's going to teach us. We're going to come out of this night empowered in some ways, Okay. You believe that? Yeah. You excited about that? Yeah. Okay. And I'm a teacher. Did you figure that out? I'm a teacher. So when we do this thing tonight with healing, I'm really going to teach. And we're going to take our time. And we're going to watch God do what God does. And we're going to teach through it. And we're going to come out of it knowing more, understanding, and being equipped to live the same. Okay? It's going to be good. So I want you to hang in there. Be patient. If you absolutely have to leave, we won't mark you unspiritual, but we'll wonder. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, won't, we won't mark you. If you have to leave, you have to leave. If you get done before us, just slip out, man. But we're not going to try to be long and be late on purpose. I understand kids and schedule. It's been a fast and long weekend. And you can see how tired I'm getting. So we got to finish this up quick because I'm really fading fast. <laughs> it's good God doesn't strike with lightning, man. I'd already be toast. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops, he wasn't telling the truth. <laughs> I am so wired. Like last week, I was in Houston. Where's the guy? It wasn't I in Houston last week. So, so we did a Saturday morning, nine thirty to twelve, twelve to two leadership luncheon where I poured out my heart. Two to four and six to like what ten thirty or something or whatever, or a quarter of eleven. And at the end, I said, come on, guys, you're not tired, are you? <laughs> I was on my feet all day, preaching all day. True? And I was like, you guys ain't tired, are you? 
I said, you can see my batteries are getting low. And they're like, you are not right. <laughs> I was more alive at the end of the day preaching Jesus. <sighs> Amen. Folks will be coming in. We'll do this quick. I want to just wait for them because they're going to need to be in here because they're going to be part of this too with us. Amen. So how do I know when we get everybody back? Like, I don't know how to do that. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just guess. pastor did a better answer. He said, by the spirit. Amen. I'm just having fun with you guys. Yay, kids. You're awesome. Come on in and join us. We won't be long, kids. Just come on in. Yay. Hey, buddy, you in the red. Make sure you get involved and help us tonight, okay? Seriously. You help us tonight. You jump in there, all right? You'll know what I mean in a minute. But yeah, I want you involved. Huh? I know. That's why I'm telling him. So you guys will understand. You'll know what I'm talking about. I want you in the action, all right? Okay. Yeah, thanks, guys. Come on in. We won't be super, super late. Amber said we're not allowed to go late, so. <laughs> Lord, it was the woman you gave me. She, she made me stop. <laughs> I'm messing with you. She's like, <laughs> you're so awesome. You really are. You are. You do believe that. Yeah? It's just humble to say, okay. Like when you call somebody a woman of God or a man of God, man, just say, thank you. Yeah, he's in me. Don't go, who, me? Who? Oh, woman of God, man of God, what'd they sleep? Don't be freaked out by the term man of God or woman of God. He lives in you. Amen? Are we, are we almost there? Do we almost got everybody back in? Real close. So I can probably kind of start. Thank you. You're awesome. See, I didn't even need to listen to Holy Spirit. You just got great folks, man. That's just good. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank you. That helps so much. Okay, you guys ready? Okay, listen. The number one reason people don't pray for the sick, I've learned, is because they're afraid nothing will happen. I'm just talking about individuals. See, the Bible says these signs follow those that believe. They'll lay their hands on the sick and the sick will recover. So if you're not actively laying your hands on the sick, you're making the expression that you don't believe he'll heal through you. You're not saying you don't believe he heals, but you don't believe he'll heal through you or you'd have your hands on the sick. Man, you guys just sunk on me when I said that. I just felt the room go. Come on, it's just true. So we want to be challenged in this. Listen, the number one reason I've learned when inquiring with people why the church doesn't actively pray for the sick is because we're afraid nothing will happen. But when you don't pray for the sick because you're afraid nothing will happen, you automatically have what you're afraid of because you didn't even pray. So you're guaranteed nothing. Making it all about you, the position you'll be in and how you feel. And then we say, well, I don't want to misrepresent the gospel. I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to. Look, most people, especially if you meet them on the street, aren't expecting to be healed today anyway. So you just stop them and you say, hey, in the church, come on. We just position ourselves for healing. We're growing in the truth. We're locking into what we believe, not letting anything change our mind till our life looks like what we believe. You following me? There's two things you'll find that we pray for concerning sickness. There's situations that when somebody's healed, they wouldn't necessarily be able to tell you or realize it in the moment like time would have to tell. They might get migraines off and on, but they just don't have one now, but they sure come regular. 
They might need to work all day and get up on the roof and lift a couple bundles up the ladder to really know because after about three bundles, it starts kicking in. Get what I'm saying? They might have to go home and lay in bed at night and actually lay still and get quiet to see if they need to shift every hour and a half. So there's things you'll pray for that in the moment, there'd be no expression of healing and no way to actually know you're healed. Time would need to tell. You guys follow me? When you run into a situation like that, it's actually, we shouldn't make it easier, but for us, it's not a, don't, don't just look for those things and say, oh, well, and do a mechanical prayer. You still have to have the same faith and you have to believe. What you have to believe is this, and this is imperative, and this is the stuff we've fought over for years. We have to believe it's the will of God to heal through the finished work of Christ, that he has compassion on people and he loves people. So we have to believe he's a yes and amen, like the word says he's a yes and amen. And then we have to believe that his love and his finished work is enough. And we just have to pray that truth over them. In Jesus' name, be healed. Watch this. We get self-conscious when we pray for the sick and don't even realize it. Who's ever prayed for the sick and thought about what they were going to say, tried to pray right, and got actually hesitant on how to pray and took a double take just to wait to pray right? That's a good way to get nothing. Come on, be real with me. Who's done that? Be honest. Look at that. We do it. It just seems like that's what you need to do. And somehow we get the idea that our prayer heals the sick. Your prayer never has and never will heal the sick. This is liberty. You ought to get this and rejoice. Your prayer never has, never will heal the sick. It's your faith in what he accomplished and his love for the person. So be healed in Jesus' name is probably enough when there's a revelation of that. (laughs) Jesus said things like walk, see, receive your sight, be cleansed. We go, Father, I just thank you right now. And I just pray. And in the name of Jesus. And Father, I just thank you. And I just... We do. Yes, we do. And I understand sometimes Holy Spirit says, do this, do that, and creates atmosphere. But the atmosphere is the kingdom of God in you. And you don't need an entourage of worship, shofars, or flags when you're walking across the parking lot. You just need Christ in you. So when I do what I do, like we're going to do tonight, I don't ask for music. I ask for no music. I make it as dry as I can make it in the room on purpose. And people that went through kingdom schools and spiritual schools and supernatural schools are like, and I say, who's been through a supernatural school right now? And they go, I say, does it feel dry? And they're like, I say, good, it's on purpose. Because I, I think God wants to take sensuality out of our lives and let faith be greater. I'm not against manifestations, but I don't live by them. He took the feeling of the anointing out of my life a long time ago when I prayed for the sick because I was relying on it. And he told me he took it from me, so I minister unlimited because I was leaning on it. And he said, when am I not Lord? You're praying bolder when you feel me. You're praying less bold when you don't, and I'm still here. I was taught, wait on the anointing. I was taught, when your hands feel heavy, lay your hands on the sick. No, when you see he's Lord and he loves people and he's finished in his work, 
and go ahead and pray for the sick. It says whatever city you're in, heal the sick there. It doesn't say wait for the anointing. When am I not anointed? When is his will not yes and amen? Come on, just be real with me. We've taught atmosphere more than we've understood faith. And we've learned to move in the flow. But that's a time we step in and out of. What about all the time in between? Come on. I don't have to feel fuzzy to look around a gas pump and say, hey, man, how are you doing today? Man, aren't these prices awesome? Yeah, man. And he's not real talkative, and he's wondering why you are. And you say, listen, man, I know you're pumping gas, but I'm just curious. How's your body doing, man? How's your health doing? Is your hip bothering you? I'm on a blanket. Why did you ask me about my hip? Well, I don't know. I didn't. As soon as we started talking, it just got big in my heart that your hip was bothering you. What do you mean it got big in my heart? Well, I'll be honest, man. I'm a Christian, and Jesus lives in me, and he loves people. Now, be real with me. Is your hip bothering you? Yeah. Thanks for being honest. Just keep pumping your gas. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Now, I could tell you stories like that, and there's more than you can remember when you live that way. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Now, listen. If you're afraid of the pain not leaving, stop that. Just pray. Put yourself in a position for love to never fail. Because if you finish praying and your gas tank's filled and he's ready to leave and go to work and he says, well, no, man, it still hurts. Don't say, bummer, we lost and what's wrong with my anointing and what am I doing wrong? You look at him with sincerity and faith and smile and say, man, listen, I'm excited. The Bible says, if I pray and believe, it'll happen. If I lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. Man, have a good day. He shakes your hand. You say, gotcha. In your heart. And you say, listen, man, you check on your hip. When you get out of your car, you'll remember this. This won't slip away. And when you get to work and you feel that thing's changing, do one thing in your heart. Say, God, thank you. I believe this is you. Wow, Lord Jesus, thank you. Begin to get to know him because he's real, and I believe he's changing your hip. God bless you, man. Have a great day. And all of a sudden, you didn't hand him a card. You didn't invite him to nothing. You just gave him Jesus, got in your car, and drove away. People say, well, why didn't you lead him to the Lord? You gave him the Lord. Your goal is not to get him to recite a prayer. Your goal is to love him and give him the greatest encounter maybe he's ever had, and now he has to deal with it. Because the kingdom of God is as if a man scatters seed. Somebody comes and waters it. Somebody reaps, not because they're a great evangelist. It's because they're ripe and somebody sows. Yeah? Look, if we don't release faith, we don't release the kingdom. If we don't start somewhere, we get nothing. Let's lean around the pump and talk to the man. Here's the deal. I've learned this. When you get in your car and drive away, he goes. It might be the first time he lets his guard down when you drive away. And he goes, huh, there was no catch. He didn't try to get me to pray, didn't get me to change, didn't get me to come to the he didn't. It was almost like he cared. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you open the door for the Holy Spirit to come upon him and say, I've cared from the beginning. I love you. And all of a sudden, you don't even see it, but he's in his car bawling. I have these testimonies in my life. Why? Because I planted something. 
go to bed at night, wake up and say, God, you're amazing. How did you do it? All of a sudden they're weeping in the love of God, not the evangelism of Dan. The love of God is saving a man. And all I did was get the honor of caring sincerely for two minutes at the gas pump. It might not even work that way, man. Ryan comes along and meets the same guy by chance (laughs) a week later. Hey, man, I just feel it. Man, I just feel drawn to you. Don't be freaked out by that. What do you mean drawn to me? I'm just telling you, man, I just looked across and you stood out. How can I pray for you? How can I? Is there any way I can bless you? Man, last week some guy did the same thing around a gas pump. Wow, well, maybe God's speaking to you, man. Maybe. You know what? I really got shook by that. Now here you are. Listen, man, let me just fire. No, don't. <laughs> you just pray for him, right? I can't tell you how many times I was sitting on a plane praying for somebody, talking to somebody. You're not trying to be obnoxious. You're not trying to overtake the plane. Not becoming a testimony. You're just loving that person that's sitting right there. And you're not trying to talk loud at all. But you know what? True story. I'm talking to this lady beside me. And the man in front of me, I could see the book open he was reading. He's on the same page for 15 minutes. I laughed. Why? He ain't reading nothing. 15 minutes never turned a page. Why? Seed brought in. You get off the plane, you're going up the jetway. Somebody pulls your arm. Excuse me. They're trembling, nervous. What is it? Well, uh, I was. Did you want me to pray? Would you? Sure. Fire! No. This lady had bone on bone for 20 years, afraid of surgery. Her kids were grieved because her mom, their mom's in pain for 20 years. I'm not being crude. Shuffling like a penguin. She can't, she's bone on bone. To twist her ankle makes her cringe. And she won't get surgery, she's afraid. So I'm sitting beside her and I tell her a testimony of bone on bone. Don't know that she's bone on bone. I could have told her a hundred things and I told her a bone on bone. And she's looking and I said, wow, you're that lady. I am. I'm nervous. When you said that, my heart, I said, it's God. Give me your hand. She's like a little kid walking out the plane, tapping me. I'm healed. I'm healed. I said, well, let's do the steps. Why? I'm already. No, I'm healed. I can turn. I can twist. I'm healed. I said, well, I want to see you do the steps. We're on one of these little puddle jumpers. It's a straight down six step thing. I said, what would that have been like? She said, oh, I'd have waited till last. I'd have a flight attendant above me and below me. I'd have come down two feet on each step, and it would have been ugly. That's how she had come down. I said, well, not today. You're going to let me go down, and then I'm going to watch you come down, and we're going to worship him together. And she said, okay. So we're heading out, and we got a plan. And we don't understand. God is such an amazing, it's all gate check bags. We got a congregation at the bottom of the steps. It's all gate check bags. It's a puddle jumper. They're going to bring the cart. They're all waiting for the cart. So our whole congregation standing there, waiting for church and don't even know it. 
So, so I get to the top of the steps and I said, let me go down first. Don't you take one step until I come down, okay? And everybody's like, what is he? And I went, boom, boom, boom. I think I missed steps. You know, I just get down there. I said, come on. She goes, boom, boom. And they're like, my congregation. They're like, she grabs me. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And I'm like, and I open my eyes and she's hugging me. And she's bear hugging me. I look and there's my congregation and they're all like, and she's hugging me, crying. And I said, Jesus just gave her brand new knees. Jesus just fixed her in about 20 years. She's been bone on bone. We've been talking and praying and God fixed her. Guys, you watched her walk for the first time down there. Where you go? It's not a video. It's not a movie. They can't talk out of it. They can't say we're actors. They can't say I paid her. They're right there, and Jesus is there. There's no escaping it. It's too alive and real. So guess what happens? You have a connection, and you can hardly get there. Because when your bag comes, you turn. You hug her one more time. She's going to get picked up by her kids, and her knees are brand new. What are they going to do? A lady a couple flights before that left without a tumor that was there that was going to get removed and biopsied in a couple days. And her kids scheduled it because she wouldn't do nothing about it. Now they're going to pick her up with no tumor. Oops. (laughs) Dan, I don't believe you. Yeah, I understand. Unbelief's a problem in the body of Christ. (laughs) So I'm either a wicked, wretched man and I'm sent to hell for just being wicked. And lying and getting temporal oohs and ahs. Or I fear the Lord and I'm telling you the truth. You'll have to figure that out. But I wouldn't boast in unbelief, I promise. Even if somebody's lying about a testimony, he's still a healer. Why do you let that cause unbelief in you? Because they lied. Jesus didn't. And he said, follow me. (laughs) Oh, I'm on you now. I am so late. I forgot (laughs) we're trying to do something here. I'm still preaching, ain't I? Oh, my goodness. Here's what I need you to do quick. Let's move along and get this done. Right now, the only people I want to pray for that I want us to pray for, the only people I want to stand up and receive prayer and raise their hand for prayer. Because if if you can't stand up, I don't know your condition. If you want prayer now, if you can't stand, you just go like this. We'll see you. We'll find you. The only people I want to stand right now are people that if you were healed right now, there'd be no way to check your body and actually testify. You'd need time to tell or a night's sleep or a day at work or whatever. You would have no way to testify and check your healing. You just have to believe or know in your heart and we'll pray for you by faith. That's the first people I want and only you to stand to your feet right now if you fit that description. Come on, just stand up. Please don't say, here we go again. I've done this before. I'm tired of standing up and nothing happened. And don't get caught in that. I'm preaching the gospel to you. It's fresh every time. It's alive. Let faith rise in our hearts. Amen? Come on, he's amazing. Okay, so you people that are standing, there'd be no way to really check if you're healed. It's just a condition that time would have to tell. Or you'd need a test or something. Is that agreed? Is that, are we all on the same page? Okay. People sitting just near them. We don't have to get too extreme with this. I just want somebody to lean over, grab a hand, tap them, say, here, let me take your hand. Just get personal with somebody. Just grab somebody. Take interest in somebody that's standing quick. Look, this is real easy. We're not going to be long with this. Listen, you people that are being prayed for, 
You only ever have one response when you're prayed for. Thank you, Father, for loving me. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thanks for how you're redeeming me and making me whole. Thanks for what you do. That's, that's how you live. That's period. That's how you live. Okay? So we're going to pray for you. It's going to be short. It's going to be to the point. And I'm telling you, Jesus is going to change situations all through this room. And that thing that was there, it's not going to be. The thing that was coming and going, it's not going to come and go. It's going to go. If you couldn't sleep at night because of a body thing or your hip wood or your back or your neck and you had to move four times a night and couldn't sleep through night, I'm telling you, tonight when you go to your bed, lift your hands and say, Father, thank you for what you've done. I'm excited about your love for me and I thank you for sleep. And you crawl in bed and he might have to shake you and wake you in the morning. We did this up in Texas, up, 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 up outside of Dallas. I think it was in Irving. And I went back to a lady. She couldn't sleep. It was so bad. She was on meds and pills. She was crying. She hadn't slept for almost 30 years. Insomnia was the story of her life. And I went back and I said, you will sleep. And she's bawling because she wanted to believe it. I said, no, I'm telling you, you'll sleep. When you go home, you thank him for loving you. And you thank him and stop striving to sleep. Just thank him and crawl in bed. And I said, I'm telling you, Jesus himself might have to come and wake you in the morning to get you up. And I said it fun loving. And I don't remember her name, but just say her name was Mary. And, and she was sleeping. She went to bed at midnight and at eight o'clock, unheard of for her. She'd never slept more than two hours straight and it was barely that in her life. At eight o'clock, she heard Mary and her shoulder shook. And she jumped and looked and no one was there. And she saw the clock and it was eight and she cried and she cried and she cried. And the next night she slept again. But that morning, Jesus himself, I was playing around. And he said, that sounds good, Dan. I'm going to put that in my appointment book. And he slipped into Mary's room and said, Mary. And she went, huh? And no one was there and her heart trembled and the clock said eight. And she fell apart in the presence of God. Yeah. Sure beats trying to sleep and complaining and I don't ever sleep and what? Well, Father, you love me and you're greater than this condition. And you're for me and not against me. That's your only response tonight if you stood. Agreed? Amen. And we're going to pray something very simple over you. And you have one response as we finish. God, you love me. You're the one that changes me. Thank you. And you leave here in that faith. And we believe with you. Okay? Now, I'm not putting it on your faith because here's the deal. I tell people when we pray... We teach people to not let go and not know how to let go. So even if you choose not to believe, we're believing for you. And in, in, in my Bible, that's enough. But the goal is faith for every man. Amen? You ready? If you're touching them, if you're holding their hand, you just be simple. Your prayer never has, never will hit anybody. Just be simple and understand God loves them. It's his will to restore them. So just be simple and in Jesus' name be healed. Any sickness, any pain, you leave. No reoccurrence in Jesus' name. Behold, start saying that right now over the person you're with. Father, we just thank you right now for wholeness. All through this room, wholeness in this room. Now, I'm going to pray corporately with you. I won't do that the second round. You'll see it. It'll be fun. Father, we just thank you right now for wholeness all through this room. Every condition change. You leave the body of the people right now. Father, I thank you. Not one reoccurrence, not one symptom, not one problem again. In the name of of Jesus Christ. Begin to thank him. He loves you. Thank him. He makes the difference. Thank him that he brings change. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen.
Grab your seats real quick. We're going to do this quick. It's only a quarter after nine. We started early. We'll pull this off. We're not going to try to rush, but it's going to be powerful, but we'll do it as quick as we can. It, to me, this part even gets more fun because we get to experience and see some things that God's doing. Now, here's the most important thing about what we're going to do right now. There's three things I experience when we pray for the sick. I think, see things happen instantly. I've seen things happen somewhat, noticeably changed, just not all the way, but definitely different. And I see sometimes things just sit there and seem not to move. When I prayed for my wife in a coma, I prayed 20 seconds of faith over her, and she laid there and kept sucking on that tube, and her eyes didn't open. That's a problem for most of us, because we don't believe until them eyes open. But wonder if you just believe. Because when them guys don't open and you pray again, now you're being driven by what didn't happen. And then when you pray again, you're more in unbelief than you've been before. And after a while, you might as well just regroup or go home. I'm serious. I prayed 20 seconds because that's my bride. It's a visual. Her eyes are swollen. It don't even look like her. She's just laying there. And she ain't home. And you pop her eyes open and you can't even find her stare because there ain't nobody home. You can't look into her eyes like I'm looking into Amber's. I looked into her eyes and I couldn't find her. But I smiled real big and I said, hey girl, there you are. You've been in this nap too long. We came to get you up. I'm right up on the bed. I got her eyes as open as I can. Smiling like I am right now. And I said... Me and this boy of yours had to go to the store on the way here and grab a few things. It was pitiful, girl. I said, you're getting up. <laughs> and I said, he thinks I'm ironing a shirt for school tomorrow. I know you're getting up. <laughs> now, who knows I can iron because I travel. I was just having fun and had no clue what I was doing. Guess what it was for? It's for my boy. Because he was 14 and he was overwhelmed and that's his mama in ICU. And God's a good God. And I looked at my son and I said, you ready? He said, yeah, dad. All he sees is a mom in a coma. But he was there, bless his heart. He didn't want to go. I compelled him. And he said, okay. I said, it'll be a good experience for you to go. Come on. So we laid hands on mama. Jesus' name. Kingdom of God come. You wake up, girl. And you fulfill all the will of God. 20 seconds. Whatever I said, it's not a quote. You can't quote it. Don't try it. Nothing changed. She's sucking that tube. I looked at my boy and smiled and said, you ready to go? Mama's going to be fine. We did what we came for. Mama's going to be well. He said, okay, Dad. Yeah. I said, come on. We get out in the ICU. It's, it's quiet. It's YCU. Right? He starts freaking out and bawling. I thought he's just overwhelmed. He's a young man, overwhelmed. I said, son, stop. I told you mom's okay. I said, it's not about mom. I'm not crying about mom. I said, stop. It's ICU. You got to get a grip, buddy. I'm getting him out. Boom. The doors, you know, we get out. And all. <laughs> He's crying. I said, buddy, I don't understand if it's not about mom. Well, it's you and me, dad. There's a difference between you and me. A big difference. I said, there's no difference. He's mad. He looked frustrated. I, I said, there's no difference. We're both sons. We both have the kingdom of God. And I started just teaching him. He said, no, dad. 
He said, you don't see what I see, Dad. You don't see what I see. And I don't see what you see. And he fell on the ball. I said, I see Jesus. His eyes lifted up. And his train goes to death. I see Jesus. I said, you got to stay with him, son. you got to seek him. you got to go after him. I see Jesus. Because at that time, he was 14 behind my back. He was taking the persecution of his friends personal. And they were always saying, pastor's kids are the worst. And you're just the pastor's kid and goody, goody. So he thought he'd prove that he's not. So he started testing marijuana and things at age 14, my boy. So now mama's in a coma and he ain't ready. Mama's in a coma and he's condemned and he doesn't feel equipped. And all he can see is a coma because he ain't been looking into the eyes of his king. You better hear what I'm telling you. You live like every war button's red all the time. And when trouble comes, the gospel will defend you. <laughs> I'm just coming out a little like I am for you. Just getting a little militant on you. It's on purpose. <laughs> I ain't got time to have issues with you. I'm in a war, and it ain't flesh and blood. I ain't got time to backbite and gossip and he said, she said, and tit for it ain't my world. I'm out of that world. I'm in a new one. I got time for Jesus getting my wife up. I got time for believing for you. You ready? Here's the deal. I need everybody that needs healing in their body, that if you were healed, you would know it. You'd be able to check, and it would be, you would know it. What I don't want, is exaggeration, and I don't want any lies in this room. I don't want you covering, saving face, or trying to save the people that prayed for you, because we're going to cover all that. It is not about that, guys. It's about believing God and ever, ever changing your mind. When I walk out of that room with my wife, if I don't believe, we're in big trouble. If I let her eyes not opening shake what I've proclaimed, then I've been reduced to a method and principles I'm applying to get help. Instead of a covenant that I'm in. Come on, I'm talking to you. You have to learn how to never change your mind. You can't be prayed for and say, here we go again. And say, yeah, it's always, never get nothing. That's why we don't get nothing. Because the people that pray and the people, when the eyes don't open, we believe the eyes not opening. No, I believe the gospel and I'm not changing my mind. Are you following me? So I need you to stand in this room. If you have sickness in any way in your life or body, and you would be healed tonight, you would know it. Stand to your feet, please. Be humble. Stand to your feet. Don't you miss out on this. Please don't you stay in your chair. There's 15 people right now at least staying in their chair for some reason. Jump to your feet. Come on. I know it. Don't make me go fishing. I'm an excellent fisherman. I'm serious. Stand to your feet. I still got eight, ten people. I got like eight people. Need to just hop up quick and stop fighting it. I don't know why you're sitting. Stand up. You got something in your body that's not wholeness. Get up quickly, quickly, quickly. Thank you. Do you notice when I fish how they're getting up? I see it. I know you're there. I'm not even marking who that is. It's none of my business, but please don't delay. Just stand up and say, wow, I'm not uncomfortable. It doesn't matter. Man, if God's coming, I want it. You get what I'm saying? 
Okay, don't say, well, I don't want to get up again just to be disappointed. I don't teach that stuff. I was under witchcraft attack years ago in my life, and I drugged my leg around for 10 days and had zero use of it. 10 days preaching the gospel that I preach. 10 days is a long time to change your mind if you're willing. Or it's time to lock into the truth. If I let my leg define who God is, I'm in trouble. If I let God define my leg, we'll be all right. Yeah. The 11th morning, I woke up and took my keys to drag to church. And the Spirit of God came on me like lightning. Shot down through me and broke every shackle. And I ran through my house like a madman. I'm serious. You have no idea. He thumped witchcraft right in the mouth, man. It came to mess me up and to calm me down and to calm me and make it about me and get me to be intimidated and fear. Three things of witchcraft. Bang, bang, bang. One right after the other. I'd get free and another one would grab me. Well, why? Well, how? That freaks me out. Ah, stop it. Don't be impressed with a cut off withering branch. Be impressed with King and Lord forevermore. You have been listening to an audio message from Dan Moeller presented at Rock City Church in the beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. Thank you so much for taking time to listen. Please visit us whenever you're in town. And our prayer is that you'll continue to be inspired and wind-driven in all that you do. Stay fired up!